see what we can do here now. I've got a new recording going. Colossians chapter number one. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we get started. Lord, we love you, praise you, thank you so much. You're so kind, you're so merciful. Lord, you've been so good to us. Uh, Lord, to this church, every family in this church, Lord, we got so much to praise you for and to thank you for. And Lord, we just pray that you continue to use this church in a mighty way. And Lord, help us be what you've called us to be. Help us to walk worthy of that vocation and what you've put, placed us in. Lord, we pray for every prayer request that was mentioned here and you know what to stand in need of. Lord, help us be encouraging to the folks and get them back in your house. And Lord, just get us back to living life and Lord, just, uh, to where we know and understand that you are in control and, and Lord, that you are a God that loves and that can protect and provide and promote. And Lord, you can keep your hand upon us even in certain times. We thank you and we praise you for it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. But I want us to look at the book of Colossians. It's, it's very familiar in one aspect and then it's totally different. The, the, the apostle Paul did not start this church. He didn't found this church. All he was doing was he heard of how a, a, a brother in Christ had witnessed to people in the, the, the region of Colossia or the city of Colossia and, and folks come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and they had been born again and as they were born again, they become a collective group of believers that met in a certain place. They had an assembly. Uh, the church was formed there. And, and, you know, everywhere that there's somebody faithful, this is what I need us to understand, is that each and every one of us has the ability to be faithful. Amen? I mean, you think about that. Husbands, uh, you know, our wives expect us to be faithful. Amen? Wives, uh, your husband expects you to be faithful. That's the same way that God, you expect your children to be faithful and obedient to what you give them rules to do. And God is that way towards us. But you know what? Even when we're unfaithful, even when we mess up, when we sin, when we, uh, when we stray off, when we, when we lose that intensity that we had at one time, I mean, you stop thinking about this through years and years and years of marriage. If you don't work towards that relationship to stay close, to stay connected, to, to, to communicate one with another, husbands and wives start drifting apart. And then when the kids get grown and they kind of move on out of the way, that's when you start seeing so many divorces this day and time. If you look at it, when the children, when the last one's ready to leave the nest, that's when most divorces happen. Because husband and wife have lost that common denominator that keeps them together. And y'all, that's just like this. When we're born again, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're so dedicated, you're so on fire, you're so grateful, you're thankful, you know what He saved you from, what He pulled you out of, but through the years of us, but, but it says for us to, to be steadfast, amen? Uh, uh, Ephesians, I'm, I'm, let me get back here to uh, just a second ago, or, or let me go back to Galatians chapter number 6. Verse number 9, it says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. Do you all understand that? If we don't faint, if we don't give up, if we don't get tired of doing, then we're going to reap that harvest that God has for us. And, and as, as Paul was writing the letter to the Colossians, he was trying, he come in and he exhorted them and he talks to them here in verse number 1. Verse number 1. Verse number one. Verse number one. There we go. Verse number one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. What's the will of God for every person's life? 
to be saved. God intends for every person that has ever been born or that ever will be born is to know Him in the free pardon of sin. And, and, and Paul let people know who gave Him His authority. Y'all, we have so many letters. Paul has given us so much for us to be able to, to dig into and to read and, and have encouragement and, and to know this stuff that, that, that by us doing what God's called us to do, even though we'll be persecuted, it'll be rough for us to continue on. It says to the saints, uh, and the faithful brethren. Some, uh, manuscripts leave and out. They don't think and in there. It says to the saints which are the faithful brethren in Christ. It's, it's not, you got a group of saints and a group of faithful over here. The saints, you know what a saint is? It's not the one that's made a statue and they work. A saint is a person that has been redeemed by the blood of God and has been set aside for a particular cause or a particular mission. Everybody that's been born again is a saint of God. It's not somebody that's a do-good or a be-good or whatever. It is a person that is under the anointing of the blood of Jesus filled by the power of the Holy Spirit that is able to continue day in and day out. That's why it says to be filled by the Spirit. Why? Because you think about this. When you get hungry, tell them what happens when you get hungry. You won't sit down and quit and you get angry, right? You get hangry along the way. We as individuals, I can feel it whenever, you know, I eat at 7, 2, or 7, 11, 2, 4, and 10. Uh, you know, that, I'm just like a newborn baby. Tell me, tell you, I'm always eating a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, all the way long. But I can feel it between 10 and 11.30 if I ain't eat by 12 o'clock. It's just, you know, I'm just gassed. Well, guess what? If I don't get up and listen to the Word of God preached on uh, every morning. If I don't get up and, and pray to God every morning. If I don't hear and read my Bible every morning. What happens to me spiritually is that that gas tank of spirituality starts running low. And that's why we have such a hard time in life is because we're not filled with the Spirit. Why are we not excited about coming to church on Wednesday night? Lord, do we not need something by Wednesday? Have we not had enough world in us that's on us and got in it and, and just pulled us down? That's what it talks about. Paul said, I am so happy to hear that y'all have been born again. Verse 2, which are at Colossae, grace and peace be unto you. Grace unto you, peace unto you. You realize you can't have the peace of God without the grace of God? And it's got to be in that order. God's grace has got to come upon you. What are we saved by? Grace. Grace falls upon those that have been born again or, or, or that accept Jesus in a free pardon of sin. God's grace is shed to you that you receive a blessing that you don't deserve. You don't get what you deserve. He says, I pardon you from all. And then peace shall come into your life. And you said, preacher, if you're just in my house, you'd understand there ain't no such thing as peace at my house. You know why? Because you ain't filled by the Spirit. Because where we believers, when we're filled by the Spirit, we're able to walk in the Spirit. And by us walking, you know what, understand, what does the walking in the Spirit, walking in love, walking worthy of the call? What does it mean to walk? It's our everyday life. You understand? Every time you read it in the Bible, it says walk worthy, walk by, walk in, walk through, walk with, whatever. It's how you live your daily life. And it's just simple. When we sit down and take the Word of God and say, okay, how can I apply this to my life? Right here. It says, I know I can get peace and grace from God by believing. I can, I can be encouraged. Just think about this. We done prayer requests a second ago, right? Did anybody in here, and I'm guilty, I said, I didn't say that. 
Do we pray for our brothers and sisters that's striving, that's working hard? Do you pray for Jack teaching you, 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 you teenage kids on Sunday morning? Valerie, you teaching your teenage kids on Wednesday night? Do, do, do we pray for Tammy that, that teaches the youth on Wednesday? Oh, we got six of them or four, four fifth, six, seven, seven. Do we pray for those teachers that are striving to do God's work and God's will? I mean, you think about it. You pray for Norman. You pray for Terry. I mean, you, you, you pray for Rebecca. You pray, pray for Diane that teaches Y'all, these, we want to pray for people that's in a crisis. Amen. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But maybe that's where God wants them at in that crisis. You know why? Because some people don't pay attention to God unless they are in a crisis. Unless all hell's breaking loose, there ain't nobody doing nothing for them until they're on their knees and ain't got no other place to look except for Christ. But Paul is saying right here, he says, we give thanks to God. You understand that? We give thanks to God uh, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you. Paul says that when we heard this, when we heard it, since we heard your faith in Christ, we've ceased not to pray for you. It's not like Paul's praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But every time Paul goes to prayer, he thinks, and you need to go through and, and, and Google, put it in your Google search engine on your iPhone or whatever, and ask, say, what was Apostle Paul's prayer list? If we see, if we write down every time the Apostle Paul says he's praying for this group, you, there's 13 books he wrote, right? Or 12. And, but you, every one of them says, I'm praying for this group. Uh, you know, the, the Corinthians, the Galatians, the Ephesians, the, the, the uh, Colossians, uh, the uh, Corinthians. You go through and look at all these people that he was praying for. I don't see how the man had time to preach, let alone do anything else. As many people as he... But every time in remembrance, he says, since we heard of your faith... Now, don't you look, verse 4, faith and love. And verse 5, hope. If you go to 1 Corinthians 13, 13, what is it? Faith, hope, and love? Faith, hope, and love? Faith, hope, and love? You know, a lot of times the things that's wrong in our life is we have no faith, we have no hope, and we have no love. We're dry in those areas. The faith that God gives us to believe in Him. And you know, the faith is, is not just believing in some find the sky by and by that's going to happen. We know from the proven Word of God that our faith in Jesus Christ, He was a man that walked, that was crucified, and that He is ascended into heaven. He'd come back to life. We have that documentation. We place our faith in that. It's not just something that may happen. It did happen. But y'all look at this right here. It says that since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and the love which you have to all the saints. And it didn't say the ones in their house, did it? It didn't say the, the, the faith you have and the love you have for your wife or your kids, did it? It says for all the saints. These people at Colossae was, was, was out working, was out preaching, was out teaching, was praying for, was trying to get everybody there in this area saved. And they were praying for their other brothers and sisters. The Apostle Paul was at Ephesus when this took place. Oh, we'll get to the guy's name right here in just a second. It says, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. And this is the problem that we have today. Where's your hope at? Your chicken houses? Your police department? Huh? Your ability to work? Your, your, your ability to, 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 to raise kids? Where's your hope at? If your hope's only in this world alone, oh, how miserable a man I would be. But it says our hope is up in heaven. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. 
that sitting at the right hand of the Father, so many times we as individuals lose that sight. Why? Well, financial difficulties, marital problems, child problems, difficult employee, difficult employer, difficult partner, co-partner. You look at it, how many distractions does Satan send at us? Every single day we're distracted by something, but we lose sight of that laid up for you in heaven. Wherefore, you heard before the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, how our husbands to cleanse their wives. Come on, listen. I'm going to give you a pop quiz back in Ephesians. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and so much that He gave Himself for it. That, that, that as you go through by the cleansing, there's the Word that Jesus washed the church with. Husbands are to create an atmosphere in their home, and they are to prophesy to their wife. They are to prophesy to their children. They are to speak the Word of God to their family. They are to bring the Bible out and to teach their whole family the Word of God. The Word of God is what how men are saved is by the foolish of preaching of the Word of God. So many people have lost the Word of God. It's an emotional attachment. We come to church and we want to have an emotional experience. We want great singing. We want just this wonderful feeling to just come all over us and, and be whipped up in a lather and just all, it's all emotion. What's the problem with that when you leave this emotional environment? It's a crash. How hard you hit. Rock bottom just wham, like running into a door face. But it's saying right here, but when you have the Word of God hid in your heart, what will you not do? Sin against Him. The Bible teaches, Lord, hide your, heart in my, hide your Word in my heart that I may not sin against you. You know how you learn absolute, you see that absolute 55 mile hour speed limit up down highway now? That's an absolute law, right? We get by with 65 most of the time. Unless there's one state trooper that patrols this area, you better not be doing 65. You better not be doing 60. But you think about it. It's his job to enforce the law. When you break the law, what happens? You pay a fine. If you go into Walmart and you go back there to the clothing section and you go in and try something on and you walk out with it still on and they catch you going out the door, what happens to you? Why? Shoplifting is that's an absolute law. Y'all, God has made absolute laws that we have to abide by. And if we don't abide by the laws that He has created for you and for me, it's, it's for your protection, but it's also to promote His kingdom. Because if we're a bunch of degenerate, heathenish, impulsive people that run around doing and saying what we want to say, how will we ever bring honor to, a, to, to, to God who's patient and who is long-suffering and who's enduring? And you think about these things. Now it's us, it's our responsibility that we are to have that kind of hope and that we are to have the Word of the truth of the Gospel. The true Gospel is what we're after. Y'all, we've got churches up and down the road that teach a false Gospel. They add baptism to it. They add sacrament to it. They add accommodation or adherence to the Roman Catholic Church to it. They got all these little creeds that they put in there, and it says that we are to go by the word, the only word, the true word, and that is that Jesus died for all, and all that call on the name of the Jesus Christ shall be saved, and by no other name, no other name, no other power, no other nothing, will man be saved except by the name. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That is the gospel. How many times have you heard somebody say, Oh, that's the gospel truth? 
You know why they want you to say that? Because they want you to understand that they are very serious, that it is true beyond true what they're telling you. But the gospel is just the good news. And what is the greatest news we've ever heard? That Jesus Christ died for all. And not only did He die, He rose again on the third day. And now He sits at the right hand of the Father and He makes intercession for anybody that will call on His name. He says, I'm there, mine. I bought, I paid, I died, and I rose for them. That's the news we got to spread. It says, which is to come unto you. Which is coming to you, and it says, as it is in all the world. Not only here in, in Colossae, it's, it's in Rome, it's, it's, it's in Ephesus, it's, it's, it's over in Galatia, it's in Jerusalem, it's, it's in Judea, it's all over. The gospel is it's, it's like a, 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 a just explosion. And here all of a sudden it's going all over the world. And the, what, does the, what does the Bible teach us? But the end times that something's going to happen that every man, woman, boy, girl, child, everybody will hear the gospel and have a chance to be saved. Wouldn't you like to be part of that explosion that, that ignites it and sets it out and it starts carrying the Word out to the world? That they may be saved. It says, which is come unto you and as it is in all the world. And it brings forth what? Fruit. Y'all look in your lives. You got fruit in your life. Now I'm not talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about fruit of works. Now I'm not saved by my works. I'm saved to do a good work. Ephesians 2 8, 9, 10. But you think about tithe. That's fruit. Sharing the, the Word. That, 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 that's a fruit of, of, of your good works to do these things. You know, all this stuff that we've been called to do is in order to that we can further the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Everything about this church is set up here to, to further. Why do we build this new building? Hold more people. Well, how would, how would we able to build this new building? People faithful in their tithes and offerings. Do we need more money? No. Y'all just keep doing what you're doing. God's going to bless. But what I'm trying to get a point across to you tonight is that you have the opportunity to produce fruit in your life under the power of the Holy Spirit if you'll do it. It says, and it brings forth fruit as it doeth also in you, since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in the truth. You realize the day that you were born again, you, 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 were, in, you were in bloom. Your tree started blooming right then. But so many of us have not let Jesus prune those vines to cut away the dead limbs and the leaves. And before long, you look at it and we're just a, 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 a tree that has no more room for any... How many ever had to go out there and, and your flowers bloomed out and then the blooms are all gone and if you don't clip that rose, roses is the number one thing. I know Tammy, she, what happens after your roses bloom? You're going to have to cut them back, cut them back down again? Why do you do that? Because if you don't, they're going to run wild. And when they run wild, they fall all over the place and they're good for nothing, they're ugly after that. The Lord wants to keep pruning us back, trimming those limbs out that's not doing anything, y'all. Jesus is calling each and every one of us to do a job. Okay. Can you bounce it to the next screen? There we go. As ye also learned of Epaphras. Epaphras was a dearly beloved co-worker with Paul at Ephesus. He was there in Ephesus with Paul. 
along with Philemon. And, and, and you look at these things. Philemon was a, was a dear, beloved fellow worker with Paul. And, and, and Epaphras here, Epaphras had went back to Colossae. Says right here that he was one of, he's a faithful minister of Christ in you. He was a, Col- a Colossian, I guess is what you say. He was one that was there from Colossae that was with Paul that had been born again and he'd got the news and he carried it back to his hometown. You imagine this, you may, what if you go back to your family and you start preaching the good news of Jesus Christ to your lost loved ones? That's what a pastor did. He went back home. He started preaching. Guess what? Folks started getting born again. Church broke out. Revival broke out. Town got saved. Not all of them. Some of them did. But Paul said right here that Epaphras was a dear fellow servant. And it says, who is a faithful minister of Christ who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Now, Galatians and Ephesians both was full of walk in the Spirit, walk worthy of the calling of your vocation. It taught Every single day. If you go through and read both those books again, how many times is the word walk mentioned in them? Your daily life, your daily conduct, how you live, how you act, how you think. These are the things that if we're not in the Spirit, what does it say? If last week, if you remember the end of Galatians chapter number 4, it talks about be you not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you sow to the Spirit, then you're going to reap of the Spirit. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. And Paul's saying right here that when you are, you see the love that, that is in the Spirit. You think about this. When you leave church on Sunday morning and the, the choir sung a good song and the preacher preached a good message, whatever that was, you think about how good you leave feeling and how easy it is for you to be nice to people and how just encouraging you are. Why? Because you're full of the Spirit. And it says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. He wasn't praying for the folks that was having crisis in their family, was he? He wasn't praying for the folks that was sick with some dreaded disease, was he? Paul was praying for them that was on fire for God. That was, And you realize the people that do the most for the house of God and for God's people are the ones that suffer the most persecution? Who needs the prayers worse? Somebody that's sick or somebody that's out in the head of the army fighting the battle? Who needs the prayers worse? The people that are trying to do God's will. God's will. God's will. And you know what? Me as a pastor, I have done a terrible job emphasizing. Pray for them that are sick, but mourn over. Be, and, and it talks about prayer and supplication. The folks that are spiritual leaders of our church, we should be on our knees and, and, and every, just agonizing. God, help that family. God, protect that family. God, lift that family up. God, promote that family. Prosper. Put a hedge of protection about that family. Keep the devil away from that family because they're the ones that's leading us. They're the ones that's bringing the Word to us that we're being washed and made holy by the Word. Right here, Paul says that I cease not to pray for you and desire that you may be filled with knowledge of His will in all wisdom. And y'all, this is, this is epic. We're going to stop here. There's too much more to go on in this, 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 this one verse. Paul was praying that they would be filled by knowledge. If you're not careful, what does knowledge do? Huh? Puffed up, right? 
So he goes on to say, I want you to have the knowledge of God's will. What's God's will for every man? That they'll be born again. And what he's saying is that you'll be full of knowledge and of His will and the wisdom. Wisdom is taking knowledge and applying it. you understand that? It's like, okay, i got a flat tire, i got a jack, and i got a lug wrench. What good is that to me if I don't know where to put the jack? I'm going to sit there with a flat tire all day long and i got all the tools I need to be successful. You know what? You have got all the tools that you need to be successful. See, let me walk over here and use it back upstage. Hey, y'all at home? Y'all see what this is? Well, you know, it's a holy Bible. Somebody comment. Ain't nobody listening to me at home no more, are they? What do you do with this? Somebody type in there, read, pray, study. Somebody? Man, they don't pay attention like they like y'all. They sit there and don't pay a bit of attention. Amen. But do you realize is that when we have the knowledge, it's it's not any good. But when we take that knowledge and put it into applied science, it turns into wisdom. And then when we get wisdom, then we can have spiritual understanding. If you have fleshly understanding, what will you have? Thank you, Tammy. Quit more. At least you finished. There we go. We got them popping up there now. I'm here. Amen. Norman, Norman, here we go. Red. Read. I'm sorry. I don't know how to read too good. Sheila and Terry, here we go. You understand how important for us to be full of the Spirit, to have the knowledge of His will, to have the wisdom how to apply the will of God, and for us to know all the spiritual understanding. Quit giving me the understanding of this world. What's the last six weeks of the understanding of this world done to this country? Man, it has drove a wedge right down the middle of this country and it has divided it even further. But the spiritual knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, that brings us closer together. That brings us closer together. Why? Because we can put down our differences. Because he's an Auburn fan, I'm an Alabama fan. Guess what we can do? We can still go out and witness people, amen? It don't matter who we pull for. It's that we've got that same common interest that we love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. What are we capable of doing? Everything, y'all. We have got to take the Word of God. And you know what? There's so many people that could unscrew their head and set it on the bench beside them because it has no effect on this up here. All it is is a feeling inside here. And if you can't take this and this and put them together, you're never going to have wisdom. This is what God's called us to do is for us to be wise in the Spirit, child. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need help. I need help to encourage people to get back to the house of God, to get back to reading the Bible, to get back to being in Sunday school, to get back to being here on Wednesday night, to be encouraging the invite folks to come, to be a part of God's house, to lift up the name of God and to praise and to honor and to glorify Him. How do we do that? By the lives we live. Y'all, we're going to stop right here on verse number 9 tonight, but I want you to understand this. Paul was so grateful 
from the message that he got from Epaphras about how good the folks at Colossae was doing because they were folks being born again. They were folks learning what the Word of God was. They were folks actually living right. Can you believe that? They were people that actually started living right back in them days. But we can't... It's so hard for us to deny the flesh. You know why? Because we're walking in the flesh. And when we walk in the flesh, when you sow in the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. Y'all, we have got to, right here, we've got to turn this around. As individual people, I can't change Randy's house, can't change Buck's house, can't change Jack's house. But you know who can? Buck can. Buck can change his house. Randy can change his house. Jack can change his house. And then when we all start getting our ship turned around, guess what's going to happen to the big ship? It's going to turn everything around. And we're all going to be headed in the right direction. But pray that you're full of the Spirit, y'all. We got to be full of the Spirit. It all starts in the Spirit. And, and this whole chapter, this whole book is about being in Christ. About the power that's going to come in Christ. We're going to get into some of the false doctrine that was being taught there at that place that they're trying to mingle. Circumcision, they're trying to mingle worship of angels in with Jesus Christ. Y'all, all it is is it's that precious blood. And I'm trying to get to that. Right there, 14. In whom we have redemption. Through what? Through the blood. Even the forgiveness of sin. Only by the blood is sin forgiven. Let's pray. Lord, we love You. Thank You for everybody that tuned in tonight. Lord, everybody that showed up tonight. All these young people we had here tonight. God, we pray that You'd help them. Lord, please let us be an influence in a positive way on these young people. Lord, that they would learn how to act. Lord, they'd learn how to weather storms. Lord, that they would learn how to be endure, just to have the endurance, Lord, that they wouldn't faint and grow weary where they will reap that harvest in due time. God, we need you tonight more than ever. Help us as individuals. Help me as a pastor, Lord. I pray for every teacher in this church, Lord. I pray strength for them. Lord, I pray that they won't grow weary in doing well. Pray for every church member, every person that sits on the pew at this church Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Lord, that they won't grow weary in doing well. Because you tell us that, Lord, in due time we'll, we'll reap that harvest. Thank you, God. We love you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.